Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a podcast series that proves that truth can be stranger than fiction. In this week's episode entitled Hot Dog Factory, I get a new job and a first-hand look into the dubious and disgusting world of meat processing. Hot Dog Factory Warning, this episode contains graphic language and scenes that may not be appropriate for children and other listeners. Things haven't changed much in the meatpacking industry since Upton Sinclair wrote his famous book, The Jungle, way back in 1906. I've been hired by a processed meat plant south of Boston. I've been prepped by someone working here about how to pass the interview to get the job. Firstly, I must do well in the manual dexterity test, separating a couple dozen round and square pegs and then inserting them into their respective holes in two boards. I pass the test. Next is a written questionnaire. Which would you rather do, read a book or watch TV? Watch TV is the correct answer. Cook your dinner or microwave something? Microwave is the correct answer. Go to the gym or drink a beer? Beer is the correct answer. There's also a math section of the test, and no one has prepped me about this, so since I'm good at math, I decide to go for it and see where it leads. I pass easily. On my first day on the job, I can't help but notice a number of large-scale black-and-white framed photos of Einstein hanging on the walls around the facility. Albert hangs above one of the hot dog extrusion machines. How surreal is that, I think to myself. It turns out that he once lived in the attic of the factory owner's house in Princeton, New Jersey, many years before. After donning my new white overalls and white paper-brimmed baseball cap, I'm taught how to wheel a cart around to different sections of the factory to make up special orders for various stores. This is where my doing well on the math test has landed me. Let's see. I pick up one case of daisy hams, four 15-pound bolognese, four 15-pound salamis, a case of head cheese, don't ask me what that is, and six luncheon loaves. Then I box the order and leave a handwritten tally sheet taped to the top of the pile. Not exactly rocket science. The only downside to making my special order rounds is passing through the rooms where there are large numbers of tough immigrant women, mostly Poles and Eastern Europeans. They never cease to enjoy a good laugh at my expense. Sometimes one of them climbs atop a table and reaches behind herself, pushing a thin roll of bologna in and out between her legs, accompanied by hoots and jeers from all the other women. In a second room, I sheepishly get to watch another trick. When one of them meat hooks a large ham off a conveyor belt with her left hand, and then debones it with an electric knife held in her right, all the while calling out to me erotically in a language that I don't understand. Again, laughs and jeers all around. Right off the bat, I make friends with a good-looking Irish kid from Southie who has the same job as mine. He's a natural-born comedian and great fun to work with. On the underside of the brim of his white cap, He's written the word PERSEVERE in all caps so that in difficult moments he can look up and read it for comfort. He has a lovely Irish accent, and every so often I ask him to spell his last name for me. And then Michael Tui spells his name, T-O-H-U-H-E-Y. It always brings a smile to my face. 
After a few days, Michael explains to me how the federal meat inspection system works. This is the system that was set up in response to Upton Sinclair's bombshell of a book, The Jungle. There are several resident meat inspectors assigned to our plant, and one of them tells Michael, the first thing you do when you get a job as an inspector is you open a bank account in somebody else's name, and then secondly, you buy a big freezer. Michael also likes to liberate selected meat items from the facility for himself. His preference leans towards different types of salami. We all have to pass through the inspection gate after work, and while he's presenting his backpack for inspection at the guardhouse, he sometimes has a pair of sweatpants swung over his shoulder, each leg heavy with a 15-pound salami within. His theft is so obvious that it's comical, but his charming Irish banter keeps the guards from catching him. Today, I've been pulled off special orders and given a new job, possibly the worst in the entire factory. I have to sort into three different oil drum steel barrels packages of processed meat that have been returned from supermarkets. A typical return is a package of hot dogs that's blown up like a balloon because there are bacteria percolating inside. The first barrel is for packages we empty out and send the contents to be washed in a special disinfectant bath before they're repackaged for sale. The second barrel has all types of spoiled meat, pork, beef, turkey, which are recooked at high temperature and ground into a paste that is illegally sold to restaurants to use as meat filler. The restaurant personnel will pick up the containers filled with this filler, always have a furtive way about them on their pickups. The third barrel is filled with meat to be destroyed, meaning green dye is poured over the contents of the barrel, then a sharp shovel is used to mix the dye in so that no one will ever want to consume it. I throw most of the returned rotten meat into the to-be-destroyed barrel. My boss often comes by and pulls out most of my rejections in the third barrel and redistributes them to the first two, telling me, what's wrong with you? All these packages will be fine once they're reprocessed. It's at that point that I write persevere on the underside of the brim of my cap. Our factory, in plan view, is a large square, with a smaller square courtyard at its center, where it was planned that workers would smoke and take their lunch breaks in the open air. The courtyard has long since been closed by management because it encouraged longer breaks, camaraderie amongst the workers, and possibly union organizing. Today, Michael and I have been pulled off our regular jobs, along with 20 other workers. Each of us is pulling a pallet jack, a sort of small-wheeled, hand-pumped forklift. Each pallet jack carries a pallet bearing 60 cases of previously processed meat that are past their expiration dates. The management has received word from the resident meat inspectors that there'll be a surprise inspection by the state-level meat inspectors. The charade the managers concoct works like this. Two columns of workers are lined up along the inside two sides of the square building. The surprise inspectors will enter the building on one of the remaining two empty sides. Then managers, armed with walkie-talkies, orchestrate the movement of the two columns of workers in such a way that they're always on the opposite side of the building from the inspectors. Thus, the inspectors arrive, circulate around the entire building, and then exit, never to catch a glimpse of the 20 pallets stacked with old, expired meat. I guess you could call it a quadrille, but I'm sure none of those who take part in the dance would know what that means. One sad day, Michael is fired for theft. The company actually goes after him, 
and he gets 30 days in a Boston jail. I pay him a visit during his incarceration on one of my Saturdays off. He tells me that to his surprise, he's been recruited to help unload an unmarked truck bearing packages of our processed meat. Who'd have thunk it, he says with a smile, then complains that there's never any salami. Once he's out of jail, they of course don't rehire him. So for me, work becomes more and more onerous with every passing day. Then one day, I witness an event that's enough to disgust even the most hardened processed meat worker. There's a big mechanical device called a bone meal machine that grinds bones from other factories that have had their meat trimmed away. It's a hot summer's day, so the smell that wafts from the railroad cars is enough to make me gag. I stand by and watch a worker turn off the machine. Then he starts to scrape all the specks of bone and meat off the wall behind the machine into the hopper of the machine, and a swarm of flies arises off the wall. After he finishes scraping, he turns on the machine again, and everything that was on the wall is now in the bone meal that we use in various processes throughout the factory. This is the proverbial last straw. I can't stomach another minute in this place. So I walk through the factory, change into my street clothes in the locker room, and pass out to the security gate, never to return. Passing through the gates, I realize that I feel happier than at any time since taking the job. When in 1906, Upton Sinclair published The Jungle, his intent was to expose the terrible working conditions that immigrant workers had to endure. His reporting also described the unsanitary conditions throughout the industry and caused such outrage that the government established the Meat Inspection Act. Sinclair was deeply disappointed that his work didn't awaken the nation to the plight of immigrant workers, but instead horrified everybody about the unsanitary conditions in the meatpacking industry. Late in his life, this prompted the writer to opine, I aimed at the public's heart, and by accident, I hit it in the stomach. The characters and events portrayed in this podcast are based on my truth, with some names and facts changed for privacy. All conversations and dialogues are based on my best memory, but are not word-for-word recreations. The Compulsive Storyteller is written and narrated by me, Greg Lefebvre, and co-produced with Peter Kokoma, who's also made our theme song. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love your help sharing the show. Please subscribe to The Compulsive Storyteller for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And also, if you could leave a review, that would be fantastic. Follow the show on Instagram, at The Compulsive Storyteller, and check out our website for more information at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening, and if you don't like this one, the next one will be another story. (laughs) ¶¶